Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured UEFA Europa League match number 6 versus Zurich, and Premier League match number 13 at Chelsea. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove. How's it going? Going all right. It was a pretty good week for Arsenal. Could be better, but I'm not complaining. I I I I beg to differ. I think it, I don't think it could have gone much better, all things considered. Yeah, I would have liked to see a little bit more of a margin. They're they're staying in the the one nil range, which makes me uncomfortable. But yeah, no, their although, performance, well, from what I've seen, was good. Yes, I think that we can look at those two games very differently. Yes, the score is the same, but I, Zurich they were a bit lucky to come away one nil. Uh, Chelsea, I believe the, the immediate word post game from one of the NBC analysts was Arsenal hammered Chelsea one nil. So we'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk about the, di- the, the we'll get there. there. That's right. Um, as well, but yes. <laughs> yeah. So let's start with some follow up. Um, one thing that came up last week, we have learned more about in the intervening days is the, what I have found out is semi automated offsides calls. I think it's sore. They're calling it semi, uh, no, maybe not. S A O R something like that. Semi-automated. Um, there is semi-automated referees. offside technology. So S A O T. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. That's 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 right. I'm not so, going to pretend yeah, I know so... how they want to pronounce that, but uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's a pronounceable one. So do you want to tell us about oh, that? Oh, they're all pronounceable if you try hard enough. Um... <laughs> What was, sorry, you're asking a question there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, no, just, uh, you want to tell us about the Sayat? <laughs> yeah, uh, Soot, I, th- I would go with, uh, uh, oh yeah, Sayat, actually it's probably better. Anyway, um, yeah, right, <laughs> that's, that's the important thing here. Uh, so what it looks like it's doing is it'll have a bunch of cameras around the stadium, and those cameras will be tracking player movement and, and such, and at moments where a player is in an offside position when a pass is played, a signal will be sent to the referee who will then, it seems like we'll have a certain amount of discretion. I mean, certainly they can look and decide based on how the play is going, that it definitely wasn't offside or he was in the position, but something else happened. Um, that means he would be onside, uh, but, but the referee will be alerted. And then it seems like if they're going to look at that call for offside, it, it's not going to be like you'll see watching the Premier League lines being drawn on TV screen. They're not going to do any of that. If the tech, if the tech says he's offside, he's offside, and that's that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And uh, what I actually so a couple things that I found interesting, uh, and I, I will put some links in the show notes. Um, so one thing they were saying is to gauge the exact time when the pass is made they have a sensor array suspended inside the soccer ball. Mm. And it's it's a multi-dimensional um, impact sensor, basically, like a, a G meter. Um, it measures mm-hmm. the impact. And so it's, it's communicating in real time along with the cameras and everything else to the VAR team. So the whole system is able to say, okay, a pass was made. And then at that point in time, based on the cameras, to tell who is offsides. Um, some of the commentary in the ESPN article I was reading was talking about how as soon as they started adding VAR to offsides in the first place, people were complaining about like, I think what they called them like thumbnail. Yeah. The, to- the toenail like offside. Yes. Yeah. Toenail offsides. Exactly. Yeah. So, and there, there is concern that that'll get even worse and perhaps it will at first before it gets better, but I'm, I'm an optimist. I'm, 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 
my profession is in technology and I, I look to these things as a technologist and thinking, yeah, you know, this is the initial rollout. They're making it semi-automated. And I think the direction these things tend to go is that they'll get the semi-automated version better and better to the point where the VAR booth every time is saying, yep, that's it. Yep, that's it. And once it gets that way, why do they need to make it semi-automated anymore? And I think it'll probably go in the direction of full automation probably in our lifetimes, but. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they go with some of that stuff. Um, it, it, it definitely leads to a modification of, of the roles of different officials. Right now, offside is really a decision of the assistant refs, the two guys with the flags you see running up and down the sidelines. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I mean, they still have other tasks in front of them. Uh, but yeah, once you start that technological path, you know, how, how many of those things could you theoretically remove from there? from their purview it's it is an interesting question yeah yeah so and and as we've talked about offsides is a good thing to do that with because it really is objective like you can say and and again i may have disagreed (laughs) about the way that the rule is specified but the rule is specific and you can determine a hundred percent like was this person offsides or not so it's a it's a matter of how accurate the technology is to, to assess that so yeah it'll be fun to follow um, I, I asked a question about Spider-Man last week. Um, I found a YouTube clip of the scene that I was talking about. Um, Spider-Man gets, uh, whammed by a train is knocked unconscious and then wakes up in a Dutch jail. I was correct that they were in the Netherlands. They were all wearing orange. They were also uh, very friendly and we don't know why they were in jail though. They are all in their face makeup and hats and sh- orange shirts and, uh, they seem to be friendly when they're vote, when they're uh, supporting the national team abroad, but or I guess in this case domestically because he wasn't in the Netherlands. But um, yeah, maybe they got rowdy as uh, some of the PSV fans did. <laughs> Clear. I mean, you know, there's always the chance it's a cheap joke at the at soccer hooliganism. Uh, but yeah, it's and you know it it helps that they're orange, which is an inherently silly color. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so the the last thing I'd like to do to follow up is just to clarify and cement my understanding of what we were talking about in terms of the knockout round um, that we talked about last time. So, so basically Arsenal, as of the second PSV match, when we were recording last week, they had qualified for the next round of play, which is what's called the knockout round. That's the one that you were talking about where they play two games against the same team back to back and they take the sum of each side's score to determine who won. And then when they did this week end up beating Zurich, then they were able to skip that round altogether and go straight to the round of 16. So they effectively didn't need to even compete in the knockout round, which they were already guaranteed a spot in if they had lost to Zurich. Is that correct? Uh, More or less. So there's, when we use the term knockout rounds, you'll actually hear it used, used both ways. It refers to this specific round of the playoff, which is the the first round they're calling it the knockout round. That term knockout rounds is also a general term for this playoff style uh, section of a tournament. You'll hear this as well when they get to the World Cup, you'll have the group stage and the knockout stage. Uh, so you're okay. everybody plays in there same same much what you're seeing in in the Europa League where you will play your group games and then you will qualify for the knockout rounds which covers not only that first round but also up through the quarterfinals semifinals and up through the final because there it's of course 
played by knockout. Right. That is, you know, it's, you lose and you're knocked out, you're eliminated. Um, right. I think in what I've heard for that in tournament play is the elimination rounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Elimination same, rounds, same uh, single elimination. Uh, you know, you well, I guess that's uh, it's single elimination. You get one matchup. And if you lose your matchup, you're out. Now, as you pointed out, yeah, right. it's two games home and away. Uh, and they, they call it the aggregate score or total goals, which basically imagine it as one giant game and, and each <laughs> individual game is a half. And so you're, you're really right. playing two games and it's total goals. Um, typically until very recently, the, their tiebreaker there was away goals. And so the, it, it was whoever scored the most goals when they were the road team was, would, was hmm. the first tiebreaker. They've recently gotten rid of that, which is kind of interesting in part because hmm. it added a fascinating layer of strategy to the game and, and watching games, especially playing on the road. Um, yeah. And it was, it was always really interesting to watch a game, even a game you lose. If you, you're on the road, but you lose 2 1. Well, actually, that's not a bad position to be in. You go home and you win 1 0, and that's, and, and you can win, you advance. So they've gotten right. rid of that. And so that'll be a little, I think last year was the first year they had that fully. And so I admit I didn't watch a lot of European games last year. So I can't say how well it worked, but it, it should be interesting to watch um, going hmm. forward. The the other fun thing is they announced uh, this morning they had the draw for that playoff round. And you can see exactly why we're so excited to get out. One, because you don't have to play the extra game. Two, because uh, the English team in that round, Manchester United, uh, got to draw Barcelona, oh, which is like it is exactly yeah. exactly the game we would not want. Right. I mean, Barcelona Barcelona right. is a mess right now. They are a long way away from Barcelona being Barcelona. But I would be much happier to be in a to be in a round of the tournament after which one of those two teams has been eliminated. That is that makes me feel a lot better because as soon as that's yeah, done, as soon as that's done in February, uh, they will have a draw for. Uh, our round, the round of 16, where we will be drawn against one of the winners of those rounds. The only rule there being, and we'll reiterate this, I'm sure when we get closer to it in February, the only real rule is we cannot be drawn against Manchester United if they win because we're both in England. You can't do that, at least in right. the round of 16. But anyway. Yeah. So let me backtrack for just a second, though. So if they've removed the most goals while away as the tiebreaker, what has taken its place? What is the tiebreaker now? Uh, so at that point, what you'll do, the tiebreaker will be uh, the same as it would have been if the away goals was level, where you will go in the second leg, you'll go to extra time. So you'll play 30 minutes, hmm. uh, two 15-minute halves. Uh, you'll, you'll play. Oh, I mean, okay. It, so it's an, so it the second game sense. goes longer. Right. It is not sudden death, so they will play the full 30 minutes. Um, okay. and then whoever scores the most wins. Fun fact about the away goals rule, away goals counted in extra time. So you could be level going into extra oh. time at home, l draw 1-1 in extra time, and lose because the away team scored, which is one of the reasons they got rid of the away goals rule is because, I mean, that felt a little unfair that the, it, right. theoretically, the, high, the, the seeded team, the better team, or the higher team will play the second game at home. So right. then it was a sense it that favors the other team. Yeah. Yeah. The once it, yeah, it, by getting to extra time, you favor the other team. And that was seen as a bit, bit weird. Um, I don't. Yeah. Arsenal yeah. Did, I, I think I agree with that. Yeah. I believe Arsenal did actually get knocked out of Europe in that, in that formulation, or maybe they gave up a really late goal at the end of regulation. That was 
I think it was yeah. the last time we were in Europe, which was, I mean, literally, well, it was, I know it was right before the pandemic started because we're fairly certain Arsenal caught COVID from the uh, the owner of the other team. <laughs> that's how we did oh, it. That's okay. how our players got it. Um, huh. We can tell that story another time, but yes. Yeah, um, all right. Yeah, so uh, if we want to continue on now to Europa League match number six, this is on November 3rd. Arsenal ended up winning 1-0. Um, I, however, did not find that out until Sunday, <laughs> November 6th, or late November 5th, when I gave up on the match replay ever making it to Paramount Plus and just watched the highlights. Um it was very frustrating. And yeah, so the game did end up showing up on Sunday at some point, but I'd given up already. And I don't know why it would take them that long. Peacock seems perfectly capable of putting all 10 matches. It's not that many more, um, like within a day. Um, so yeah, I don't know, but so yeah, my, I have a couple notes, a couple things to talk about, uh, from watching the highlights, but I'm definitely going to rely on you to give me more of the character of the game. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so the first thing that I noticed was, uh, a really mind blowing header by Nikedia. Um, it was really good and would have gone in if it weren't also for a great save by their keeper. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, he's good playing both sides, you know, and, 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 Overall, this game, and we'll talk about this a little bit, the, ga- the game didn't quite go so well overall. Arsenal was very sloppy later on. I mean, that's they, they, one of this game, and, and a lot of the Europa League games has really confirmed, is there's a steep drop-off between Arsenal's top players, the, start- the, the locked-on starters and a few of the top substitutes, compared to the guys you see in, this, in these Europa League games. And you'll see for I think probably on Wednesday in the in the Carabao Cup, you know there, there's a there's a gap there. But you know a guy like Eddie has some moments, and 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 I their keeper actually did a really it did a really well early on, and it, it's a it's something of a pattern they're coming where they're having trouble finishing their chances, and it does leave you in a place where you're vulnerable, um, as we talked yeah. about in terms of the the size of the lead. But uh, yeah, you know it was a really good save early on. Yeah. The the one big question I had after watching the it was about maybe a nine to ten minute uh, highlight reel that I watched. Um, there was one goal that was revoked due to offsides. And I just had a question about the details of how that was determined. So this was a goal that would have tied it by Zurich. So they took a shot and they're well behind many Arsenal players. Like there's no question that whoever took that shot uh, was clearly like onsides. And then Ramsdale blocked it, but didn't trap it. So it bounced off of him. And then the player that was past the last defender then knocked it in after that point, right? So Ramsdale blocks it, and a player who's in between the last defender and Ramsdale is able to then kick it in. Um, They didn't show a line breakdown, but am I to understand that they judge the player position by the time of the failed kick? Was he already ahead of the last defender when that first attempt on goal was made? Is that what they're judging by? Or is it when it bounces off of the keeper? What, what, what is it? So it's, it's going to be based on when the original play is made. So remember this is, this is gets to the spirit of the offside rule, which is about preventing that kind of cherry picking. So when the shot is taken, I mean, remember the ball cannot be offside. So the player with the ball is always by definition onside. 
Right. Um, but once he ma- once he takes that shot, you, that's when you're looking at uh, where the where the other offensive players are, and they're all clearly offside. They're all behind the Arsenal defensive line. Yeah. And because they're in an offside position, when the rebound comes to them, they're still in the offside position. Okay. So that makes it very unlikely for a lot of rebound kicks to ever actually count then it seems like because you're very likely if you're catching a rebound you're probably going to be pretty close to the goal it seems like it seems likely you would be ahead of you, you don't see a lot of rebound goals I mean that's it, 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 you don't see a lot of those in soccer a lot of it's because the rebounds when a keeper makes a save usually he does a good job to parry it well out of the way um, and you'll notice the, the Zurich players you, you notice they don't really argue with it they know they were offside uh, usually it deals with the timing of the offensive players run but so it doesn't matter where you are when the save is made. It matters where you are when the shot was taken. Okay, right. So if you're making a run towards the gotcha. goal, oh, it, you, oh, could, you oh, could beat right. the defender there for a rebound. But as I said, usually if if the keeper makes a save and parries it away, usually it's going to be well out of, hopefully for his sake, well out of the way. So it's generally not something you're going to see. Yeah, yeah, of. okay. That makes sense, right? I was thinking of when it rebounded off the keeper, but no, that's right. If it's when the shot was taken, that was just unusual that the whole defensive line was further forward than they might typically be. Okay. Well, I bet it. And we should say not it's not actually all that unusual because from from Arsenal's perspective, that's a lot of what they do, the high defensive line. Now it was a little you know, usually typically when we mean a high line, we mean in the, the scope of the field, the defenders are gonna play much further forward. Right. But part of what they're doing is an offside trap. They are stepping forward to make sure that those players cannot get as close because of because of the offside rule. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. All right, so I think that about wraps it up for the Zurich match. I'm happy that uh, they won't play uh, in Europe again until March. That's a good rest for them and and maybe for us too a little bit. Uh, well, <laughs> there's there, the, there, that means there are just different games we're going to play in the midweek. So right, <laughs> yeah, we got cup games coming up, I guess. Right? Uh, yes. Well, I mean, really, what we have is the World Cup break, but. After after that, when we get back in January, it's right. still going to be pretty, uh, still going to be pretty intense. Well, actually, no, January look, January and February do look pretty light, which is which is good. But yeah, there's still cup games to be thrown in. So, all right. So let's move on to the match that I did actually get to watch all of, which was Premier League match number 13, which was on November 6th. It was yesterday as we record this. Um, The final score was Chelsea nil, Arsenal 1. It was a hard-earned goal by them. They had a whole lot of effort to get them fairly little reward in the end, but it was it was great playing. I mean, they were they were in just as good form, I would say, as when they played Nottingham. Just the score doesn't show it. <laughs> oh, absolutely! They were they were outstanding. Um, and 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 some of it is also Chelsea. Chelsea looked very poor. They were not. They did not play very hmm. well. They they've been dealing with some injuries. They have a new manager. They're trying to get settled in under him. But they were they were poor uh, on Sunday, and it was delightful. 
Yeah. Um, we had a couple injured players return. Uh, we mentioned Saka's injury that he was uh, subbed out for in the uh, last week, and he was back. He played against Zurich and again versus Chelsea. That was good to see him. And Zinchenko, who we haven't seen for a long time, uh, he came back, and I mean, I, I missed him. Uh, he, he's a really great player. I love seeing the way he's all, he's like everywhere on the field. Like wherever you look, there he is, like trying to get the ball. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and he's, yeah. That. And I, I got to say, I, I, I was kind of expecting that we wouldn't see him until after the World Cup. And then, but he was in training during the week, uh, and he was ready to go for Sunday. And I think it tells us that he's, when given the choice, Arteta will take him as left back. He's a very different player at that position than Tierney or Tomiyasu, who's also played some left back. Uh, he, mm-hmm. He's definitely much more dynamic, moves into the midfield much more often, doesn't play a traditional fullback role. I mean, arguably his best position is in the midfield, but because of the other players we have, he makes more sense at left back and, you know, coming forward. Uh, but yeah, he adds a certain dynamism that, that Tierney and Tomiyasu uh, really can't do. And, and he's just a, he is a delightful player to watch. Yeah. Um, speaking of Zinchenko, um, there's an amusing moment when he went to throw the ball in and it's, I wasn't totally sure. It looked like it slipped out of his hands. Was, was the ball wet or something? Yes, it was, it was raining. We did, a good and we'll, bit. Get, we'll talk about the rain more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was raining during the game and that's just one of those. Yep. He uh, just slipped right out of his hands. It's just, I mean, everybody's embarrassed. Everybody's a laugh. Yeah. It's oops. Right. And they let him do it over. That was the interesting thing to me was they just handed it back to him and he got a second chance. It wasn't like uh, oh no, I don't think so. I, or I, anything. Yeah. No, that's not. I thought I saw there they 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 turned around and that was Chelsea's throw because because that's oh, that's, really? an ille- that's an illegal throw. I mean, we we, it, we joke about it because it's kind of silly, but that is against the rules. You had the ball has to right, go, has over, to go your over your head, head. right? Yeah, right. and so he didn't do that. Now, obviously, we know why, and it's kind of embarrassing. But yeah, that should that yeah that I I was pretty sure that turned around that was Chelsea's throw. That's what I saw, which is what should have been. That was oh okay, yeah. Oh, so oh that may be okay. That so someone threw it after. I guess I thought it was him, but no. So it was given to Chelsea, who then got to throw it in because he made an illegal throw. That's what exactly you're exactly. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Um, and speaking of players who I'm seeing again for the first time in a while, um, I got to see Oba play, who I haven't seen since watching him unceremoniously get booted off the team during uh, the Arsenal uh, documentary on Amazon. Uh, he was playing for Chelsea. I guess he he had gone to which it was a team in Spain, I think. Uh, Barcelona. He had, yeah, they they sold was to Barcelona. Barcelona. Okay. Yep. Uh, last Jan at this January, because I guess it's still technically twenty twenty two. Uh, yeah, this January they sold him, and then Chelsea right. actually got so him. That... Chelsea actually got him this summer at the very end of the transfer window. They they signed him because they needed or thought they needed a striker. And uh, what did you think? You know, your first chance to see Obama Yang in action. Um, I don't know. It didn't seem like a particularly impressive performance this time. Um, it didn't seem like he really did a lot that I noticed. Well, that's about right because he didn't really do a whole lot. Okay, I mean, he's he's <laughs> I was a player. You to tell me of everything that I missed. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, well, so so one of the things they noticed they talk about possession statistics, like you know who how who has the ball yeah. for more of the game, and Arsenal dominated possession. And, and a player like oh, Obama yeah. Yang, and this is true of a lot of forwards and especially strikers, is that, you know they they're up at the front. They need service. They need someone to get them the ball. 
And when you're you're in his position in Chelsea, I, I Arsenal had like 60, 70% possession for most of the game. They just don't have the ball. He's not going to get to do anything with it. And so at that point, he's not, uh, he, oh, he doesn't do a whole lot of other things. It's clear why, I mean, right. leaving aside the, Leaving aside the the, the interpersonal sort of, dynamics, yeah. Leaving aside the personal <laughs> dynamic dynamics and the personal issues, you know, you can sort of see why Arteta would have been keener to get rid of him. I was listening uh, just earlier today to um to the Ars Cast, which is probably like the the single biggest, the premier uh, Arsenal uh, podcast. And one of the things sure. one of the guys there said was a, uh, you know, he's like, I have this this dark theory that. Arteta always wanted to get rid of Obama Yang because he didn't really fit what he wanted him to do. And then this was not that he didn't mean, not that there wasn't some personal decision, not that it wasn't a good thing to, you know, lay down the law, but this may have been slightly blown out of proportion by Arsenal as an excuse to get rid of a player who didn't fit their plans and frankly was underperforming. Because you can, you can excuse a lot when a player is good and scoring goals. Obama Yang wasn't scoring, and then just the other stuff just isn't amusing or defendable at that point. So that's yeah. a that, yeah, that's a conspiracy. I'm not saying it's true, but you know, it, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, but what you're what you're saying does make sense, right? Where even in low scoring games by Arsenal, like you were talking about last week with Jesus, he still contributed a lot, and you see with Martinelli all the time, even when they don't end up scoring. They still have a lot to do um, in Mm -hmm. terms of defense sometimes and just moving the ball upfield. And yeah, with Obama, I could see what you're saying, how his team wasn't getting the ball. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do? This is my job. That's all I do. And yeah, that that is at odds with Arteta's style. Definitely. And, and you can see that in particular with, with Jesus, who is, I mean, who really does everything. Um, You know, it's, it's so frustrating. I mean, you saw the one, I mean, the, the header, he just missed. In the first half, oh, he comes up and is holding his. I mean, and we were ta- a couple, I was talking a couple. Holding his fingers couple, together, like yeah, I was like this yeah. much off. Yeah, I, was, I missed it by that much. Uh, and and we were we were talking yep. at the bar. I mean, that would have been an absurd goal. Like it would have been an incredible yeah. goal if he actually scored it. But you can tell he's mm-hmm. he wants it bad. I mean, they left him on. I think against yeah. uh, against Zurich, you know, they didn't. They took off a lot of the other regular starters. They left him on to see if he could really get that goal. They were trying to feed him in the forest game. Uh, yeah, they. Yeah, he's it, uh, when he when he gets it yeah. in, it's it you know the dam might break for them. Uh, but he doesn't get too many more chances for that uh, before the World Cup. But hopefully, he does get one at least right. before he heads off to Qatar. So. Yeah, so uh, one one last thread that I think we can put to bed for now, as you said, maybe not forever because we're always learning more. But when it comes to rain during these matches, I think we have now seen what it looks like when it's really raining. (laughs) Everybody was wet. You could tell their hair was soaking wet. Their jerseys were soaking wet. I think what that leads me to conclude is from earlier matches when we'd seen rain in certain shots, but everything else didn't look wet. I think it must have just been a light rain that it was like a mist or something that gets picked up a certain way on the camera, but isn't actually affecting things on the field. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely a strong rain. Uh, you can definitely see it in particular as you get to uh, you'll get some games that are re- when it's really pouring and you'll see the water on the field. You'll see the water skid up when the ball goes through. I mean, I, you, you watch enough games and oh, you'll sure. see some you'll see the occasional one in just a monsoon uh, type downpour. And those <laughs> are 
those games are always darkly amusing to watch just because it looks so miserable to be out there. I have pl- glad I it's have, not me out there. Yeah. I have played and <laughs> so I have played in one or two games in that weather, and it's I mean it's miserable, but at first. But once everything gets soaked, you just don't care anymore, and then it then it can be kind of oh, fun. right. You accept it. Then it could yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then it can be kind of fun, just kind of sliding around and the ball and everything. Um, of course, I, again, I you know I play at rec league. These guys are of course absurdly competitive, and uh, you know that, that it's not as much fun for them. But well, I mean, it did definitely affect the game. Aside from Zinchenko's silly mistake, you saw multiple times. I think on both sides that they were slipping, and it led to turnovers uh, mm-hmm. when they just lost their grip on the pitch because it was so slick. Yeah, and that's the other thing you saw that a lot guys slipping around on the on the field, and that's um, yeah, yeah. Um, one one last note um, on this match, I I wanted to talk to you about officiation. This this seemed to me to be the most even handed officiation I remember seeing. I mean, the Saka kind of <laughs> got the short end of a stick, like it seems is typical for him. But aside from that, it seemed like generally he was calling things in an agreeable way. He wasn't favoring one side or the other, from what I could tell. Is that what you took away from it? Um, yeah, I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of opinions all over the place about the officiating. I mean, and some of this isn't even on the official. It was a chippy game. There was there it was clear yeah. it was yeah. clear there's <laughs> some real dislike between the the two teams. And you know, I I you know, I, I as a fan, I mean, not that you're rooting for a fight or anything, but you like to see that. I mean, they I mean, Arsenal was up for this. They were they were ready, they were excited, <laughs> they were they were not afraid to get drawn into some of the stuff. You saw the way, I don't know how, how far your broadcast went after the game was over, but, I mean, they ran over to the visiting fans. I mean, you know, fists were pumping. They were, they were waving the cra- their, oh. their fans on. <laughs> I mean, you know, there, there's always, you always go over and you always applaud the, your fans when you're on the road, but they were, they were pumped to get this one, uh, which, is, which yeah. is fun to see. Um, yeah, Saka. Oh, sure. Saka, as usual, was extensively fouled. There were seemed to be no cards given out. Arteta was starting to lose it. Saka lost it. He definitely uh, the defender was mostly on him. Uh, was Cucurella, the one with the the hair, yeah. and and you could tell he was right. getting frustrated <laughs> by the fat by the calls or the, or the fouls and the non calls. And he kicks out at one point. And you know, on the one hand, you mm. don't love seeing Saka pick up a yellow. It's a little impetuous. On the other hand, you know, you're going to have games like that. England is a league where they. They allow a lot of really physical play to go on. And, and you know, for a guy like Saka, you want him to be able to stand up for himself, to be able to say, oh, that's how this game is going to be played? Okay, then we're going to play right. that way. So I, you don't love seeing picking up a yellow, but also, I'm, frankly, I didn't mind it. it. It's good for him to show a little bite uh, to, to his game and to what he's doing. And um, the other yeah. one you saw was at the end, towards the end uh, in yeah. the corner, there was a little dust up yes. there. and. What was fascinating about it was it involved Granite Xhaka. Mm-hmm. And typically when Granite Xhaka is involved in that, you're just you're just like trying to will Arsenal players over there to get him out of the way before he does something to get himself a red card <laughs> and kicked out of the gate. Because sure, sure enough, that's exactly what's likely to happen. But if you watch, yeah. he's the one doing the windup. He's going after them. At some point, you yes. see his face. He's smirking like he knows what he's doing. Oh, this he is hilarious. It. This is amazing. Yeah, no, and he – I don't know if you noticed, but even leading up to that, before that happened, I think part of what precipitated that was earlier on when he was doing like what you're talking about after the match where he was just like waving to the – 
stands or something, just like fist pumping or whatever he was doing. I don't remember what the gesture was, but just kind of rubbing it into whatever Chelsea player was near him. Like, yeah, we're, we're beating you. How do you like it? Well, yeah, he's, I mean, there, so the, that was, that was the section where the Arsenal fans were, were sitting. And so he's, the ball goes out right yeah. in front of the Arsenal fans and he starts uh, waving them on, you know, really trying to get them excited. You know, right. That's what it was. Noise. Yeah. And yep. I mean, we, we talk about the songs they have, and we've talked about how some of them are, you know, not, obviously not the kind of thing we want to we want to share on a, <laughs> on a on a family friendly podcast like this one. It, it's worse in person. It's worse when they're right in front of you because <laughs> they're shouting all of those things that like you, you, you I you know, <laughs> it's it's pretty bad. So for him to be egging them on like that is is hilarious. And for for yeah. Chelsea to react the way they did shows you just how frustrated they were. Um, again, just, just delightful for a game that ended one nil and it on some level feels close. That game wasn't really close. Uh, it, we were yeah. so much better than them, which is, which is really, a, and, and we can talk about this sort of big picture. We, we've played what? 12 games at this point in the league. Yeah. I think we're at 12. Uh, yeah. 13, this was our 13th match. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I'm sure you saw that stat there up on the screen. Like we're we're up there amongst the best starts ever in the in the Premier League or in the in the top the English top flight. It's certainly the best start Arsenal has ever had. Um, yeah. And and they looked at that list. Now it's terrifying when you see that list because it says like I guess of the was it of the nine teams that are had a start is similar to this. Eight of them have won the title. Right. I mean, we have been putting off for a long time talking about Arsenal as title contenders, and and I and I'm still hesitant <laughs> about it. But we're a third of the way through the season now, and we're in we're in yeah. first place. It's... Yeah. Well, it was it was fun to note when they were showing the table during the match before they won. Yeah, the live even table. Had they, yeah, uh, even had they lost. That we would have still been tied more or less by points at the top. And we might not have been number one because of a tie-breaking statistics, but we were still tied for points, even not winning this match. Um, well, I believe we came in because because Manchester City won on Saturday. I believe we came in a point behind them. So if we had drawn... Was it? Okay, that wasn't what yeah, I had I be- seen. Yeah, I, be- okay. I believe... Because remember, it's three points for a win, and I believe we're two points ahead of them. Right. So if we okay. would have, yeah. So if they would have won, hold on, I'm trying to pull up the. Uh, but I'm wondering if they won before or after Arsenal's match because this was they won. They I was won on Saturday. The match so, that was shown on screen. Yeah, they oh, won okay. on Saturday. What, what you're what you're showing what they're showing you there is they call it the live table. So it it basically says if this result holds, this is what the table will look oh, okay. like. And since it it did hold, yeah. So we're up two points on City right now. We were one. We were uh, one point behind coming into the game. So what you saw there was after it was one nil, if this result holds, which it did, that's how the that's what it would look like. So you'll see that it's called the live mm-hmm. table. That gets that gets especially gotcha. interesting as you get really towards the end of the season, especially they'll do on the final day. All of the teams, all the games will kick off at the same time, especially if there's anything mm. up up for grabs, uh, the title, a uh, spot in the top four, rather the relegation spots. It's kind of fascinating to watch that play out as the game goes along and, and you know, oh, a goal was scored in this game or there's another goal. What does that right. mean? And what does it look like if everything stays the same? What does it look like right now? Um, it, it, it's it's fun and terrifying. Well, it's it's terrifying if you're involved in one of those games. It's kind of fun to watch if, you're, if right. your team isn't involved in one of them. So um, 
Yeah, it's like watching a horse race or something, like mm-hmm. watching everyone shift in position, yeah. Right, so yeah, showing that live table. Yeah, we are 13 games into a 38-game season, and um, yeah. yeah, doing the math here, that's we're a third of the way in. That's, I, yeah. I mean, it's so hard to pick against City. They're just a freaking machine, but... But we're we're with them right now, and that's yeah. I you know I've 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 been watching Arsenal since 2006, and we've never won the league. So this would be I, I'm not saying we're going to do okay. it this year, but man, but our, this is the first time I can really look and say, I mean, we're we are in the mix. We are in the mix, and it's right. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that about wraps it up for Chelsea. Unless you have any any anything further. Um. Well, nothing nothing repeatable on this podcast, but. Uh, fair enough (laughs) so um first small question i want to ask you Mm -hmm. where does the term super league come from and what does it really refer to you had mentioned it in regards to zurich i think you had said the swiss super league and then also when i was looking through some soccer listings over the weekend i would see fa women's super league what is a super league what makes it super uh, in that context, it's just a name they've given to it. Uh, a lot of times these names are sort of picked because they're succeeding some previous version of the league. And so calling it a super league is sort of a way of saying this is better than what we had mm. before. So a lot of that's kind of marketing. It's the sequel. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, like this, the Swiss Super League, the Super League is the name of the Swiss League. Uh, like the English League is the Premier League. And even then, remember, for, right. uh, we talked about for for, you know, a century, it was the Football League. And then for a right. lot of for a lot of for a lot of business reasons having to do with tv money and all sorts of things and how the the leagues are structured financially the top teams broke away legally and so the top league calls itself the premier league as a way of differentiating itself from the old football league so that's that's where some of that comes from um i just want to pull up something real quick uh because i believe it the the women's super league or the wsl as they call it in england um or was it yeah it was the yeah it's uh 2011 was the first year they called it the super league before that it was the uh, premier league national so there's a lot of these sort of Mm -hmm. um there's sort of a lot of these names are sort of developed and added and and all of that yeah you know right they have a lot of like uh, i'm sure meetings meanings tied to things like trademarks and stuff but it's it's just a it, it like it it doesn't actually mean like anything to the league itself i guess is the okay. way to say it i i will also add though there is a separate thing called the super league which is theoretically a breakaway european league involving some of the top clubs that would set up this um instead of the champions league they'd have this competition where rather than have to qualify through their domestic leagues the, the number of top teams uh, and frankly, including Arsenal was involved in it, uh, would be in this in this same league every year. And so you hear that term, the, okay. the Super League or the European Super League. And that's a we, we don't have time to get into all of that, all of the arguments and whatnot yeah. about that. But uh, that was you'll, you'll hear that term as well as this idea of the Super League uh, tied to this European competition. Well, yeah, and that actually 
that jibes more with what I would think of if you were using the term super league, because it's kind of like in music when you have a super group, that's a group that's made up of the best musicians from other groups that they all come together in one group. Like it sounds very much like you take the best teams that are in all the leagues all over Europe and put them in one league. It's a super league that that makes sense, but I can see where it's not generally used that way. Yeah, and and in this case, yeah, that's that's exactly what it would have been. You'd have been drawing in. Um, in this case, they were uh, how many? There. Um, I'm gonna get the numbers wrong. Uh, I think up to like um, there's like twelve clubs in Europe, and and the big these are the biggest names at, set up this competition that they'd always be in every year, as opposed to the Champions League, which of course you have to qualify for. And Arsenal was one of the teams involved in it, and we can talk about that another time. Mm-hmm. It, it's that was a yeah, yeah, that that, that was spring that was spring of twenty one, and boy, that was a mess. Um, the huh. fav- the craziest That's thing about really it, the whole recent. thing. Okay. Oh yeah, the whole thing, and the worst part, or craziest part, is it all fell apart in two days, which is just just. It, it, <laughs> uh, well, we'll 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 go through that whole story sometime because it's it's pretty wild, but yeah. Yeah, I'll have to put it on the topic list. Okay, we'll do. So the the last thing that I wanted to discuss is we are now, what, a week and a half, a couple weeks away from World Cup play beginning. Uh, we, next weekend, we will have our final Premier League match until World Cup is over. And a couple things. Um, do we know yet which Arsenal players are playing for their national teams? And I also want to start talking to you about which team or teams you will be following during the World Cup. What do you typically do? Uh yeah, so uh the World Cup opens on November twentieth, so we are uh, we are just under two weeks away. Um, yeah. they this week has been the week when teams are announcing their uh their squads, their rosters for the for the World Cup. Uh, this uh we know uh, we know a couple Arsenal players are already going. Um, I'm just looking some of this up. The deadline for this is November thirteenth. So that okay. it, by uh, by Sunday so is by when next you have week to when we record. We'll we'll know. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, well. Yeah. Well, we know a bunch of them are going to be announced in the next couple of days. Brazil announced theirs this morning. Uh, Japan announced theirs late last week, and I named those two in particular because uh, Tomiyasu was picked for Japan, which is not a surprise. He's a regular right. starter okay. for them. Yeah. The real question will be because he came off hurt in uh, the Zurich game. And I, I, for his sake, and for I mean, not so much for Japan's sake, but certainly for his sake, we hope he's healthy. Certainly for Arsenal, we hope he's healthy. Sure. Um, I'm sure. Obviously, it would, it'd be a great opportunity for him to be in the World Cup. Um, it, but he's he's been picked for Japan. And then this morning, Brazil, uh, there was uh, one expected. Gabriel Jesus was picked for was picked, which is not a surprise. He's he's okay. one of the regulars. You hope we hope he's a starter. Uh, expect he'll do well. Uh, for one of the favorites, we should add Brazil is is my pick right now to sure. win the whole thing, and they're oh typically always oh, okay. one of the favorites. They're typically always one of the favorites. They look really good coming in, um, and in a, in a bit of a so, and then a couple of uh, two other the two other Gabriels were under consideration. Uh, Gabriel <laughs> right. Magalhaes was not picked, which wasn't a huge surprise, okay. but uh, you know certainly it'll be a, a disappointment for him, especially I'd, I'd say he's played well so far this year. Uh, but then probably the sure. biggest surprise, uh, Gabriel Martinelli was picked. He will be going to to Qatar with the Brazilian team. So, congrats to Martinelli. Okay. That's a. I mean, it's really. A, I think a, it, it really kind of crowns the the excellent start he's had to the season. Oh yeah. Well, 
And there's a good chance I'll be following Brazil at least because uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, we'll be, uh, it'll be curious to see how he starts. Uh, I expect Jesus to get a lot of time. Uh, I don't know about Martinelli. I you know if there's one thing Brazil is always able to produce, it's you know pacey wingers who can find the goal. It's 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 one of the things Brazil okay. does. Um, and it, and it, okay. it's certainly obviously it's a great honor to be picked for your national team, whatever your country. But Brazil is one of those where there's something truly, it, it truly does mean more to be a Brazilian and pick to play for Brazil. Uh, well, you know, yeah, so, I mean, it, it sounds like if there's that much talent in the nation, it's, you know, it's like being on the varsity team of a bigger school instead of a smaller school, you know? Yeah. It's, it's oh, yeah. And, and right. And I mean, you are playing and Brazil is a, is a the, I heard Brazilian describe it, you know, Brazil is not a country that's, you know, ever been involved in a major war. Like the, the national soccer team <laughs> is how Brazil presents itself to the rest of the world. Hmm. And so it, it is a tremendous thing for them to be on that team. Uh, yeah, again, Jesus, not a surprise. Martinelli, a big surprise. And, and congrats to both of them. Um, yeah, definitely. A couple, couple of ones coming up ahead. I marked some of these down for myself because I'm obviously curious about them. Uh, nothing I saw tomorrow. Um, let's see. On Wednesday, uh, the U.S. will announce its roster on Wednesday. And the expectation is a uh, backup keeper, Matt Turner, will be on it. Right. Um, and, and, of course, you know, obviously you asked what I'll be following. I, I will be following the U.S., uh, which they expect to be the youngest team in the tournament. But they uh, – hmm. so I'll be looking forward to their roster as well. I, we know most of the guys were pretty sure who will be on it. But, obviously, it'll be, it'll be nice to see it. That's going to be uh, 5 o'clock Eastern on Wednesday. So I think ESPN right. should be having it. Uh, France will also be picking their roster on Wednesday. Uh, William Saliba is in contention to be picked for France. I think he'll be on there, but France is another one of those. They're among the favorites. They have a ton of talent, so he could easily, Mm -hmm. could easily get overlooked, but he's, he's been excellent. He was excellent on Sunday. He's been excellent this year. Um, and that would be a huge honor for him for the defending champs. And then Switzerland will pick on Wednesday as well, and Granite Jaco will play for them. Will play. Will, will be picked. He will be their captain, and he'll play every minute possible for them. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> if and he they know what's good for him, <laughs> and he does very well. He does very well for Switzerland. You know, that's kind of been the frustration is you'd watch yeah. him play for Switzerland and think, okay, why don't we get that guy playing for Arsenal? Um, yeah. Well, they they mentioned during the Chelsea match, the commentators were saying that he's set a personal record, I think, for Premier League goals at this point in the season. Like he's having an amazing season for him. He's been he. Oh yes, he. This is the best he's been. He's been Arsenal for like five or six years at this point. This is the best he's been um, yeah. the whole time. Uh, looking ahead uh, later this week, uh, the big one on Thursday will be England will announce their team. Uh, Bukayo Saka yeah. almost certainly will be on it. It'll be, I've heard some interesting speculation about whether or not he'll start, but I expect he'll play quite a bit for them, even if he doesn't start every game. Um, also in England, Aaron Ramsdale is probably going to be picked as a backup keeper. And then, uh, who's the other one? Uh, Ben White is an interesting one. He, based on his form, how he's playing, he probably should be picked. He's been very good, uh, for us yeah. this year. And, yeah. But he was not on their roster in the the last international window there in the end of September, so it'd it, it be kind of curious. There's a lot of conversation about about Ben mm. White and will he make it? Should he make it? Um, 
you know, I guess as an Arsenal fan, I'm kind of on on the fence about it. On the one hand, obviously, I think he deserves it. I think, you know, he deserves that chance. And, uh, you know, he it would be a great honor for him. On the other hand, if he gets a month off and gets nice and angry and out to prove <laughs> the world wrong when he comes back in December, I'd be okay with that too. You know, I, I, that doesn't. Uh... Well, there's there's also the aspect if we're rooting for Team USA during the World Cup, all these other international players except for Matt Turner are all going to be making our lives more difficult. <laughs> well, in particular, England because England is in our group, so we actually are going to worry a great deal okay. about what England does. Uh, you know. I, I sure, am, okay. I mean, obviously what I'm rooting for on that day is that uh, Gareth Southgate, who's England's manager, makes the foolish decision to leave Saka on the bench. Uh, and then the U.S., of course, beats England with that <laughs> because he won't be playing. And, and of course, foolishly doesn't pick Ben White and Aaron Ramsdale doesn't play. And, you know, it's just a, it's just a great day. Happy Black Friday, everyone. Uh, that's, that's when that game will be. Um, oh, okay. Otherwise, uh, looking there... Um, Portugal and Belgium are going to pick on Thursday. Thursday, there's, I suppose, a, a tiny outside chance that Cedric Suarez gets picked for Portugal or Albert Sambi Lakonga goes to Belgium. I would not expect either of those, though. And then otherwise, uh, Thomas Party will be picked for Ghana, and he will play for Ghana. I just didn't see when they were officially making their announcement. And okay. um, other than that, I, I think a lot of our bigger-name players... Um, Martin Odegaard plays for Norway, didn't qualify. Uh, Zinchenko in Ukraine didn't qualify. Tierney in Scotland didn't qualify. And then uh, there was another one who's kind of a nailed-on starter with his national team, um, but, who's, but whose national team also did not qualify. So, um, so yeah. Oh, the, okay, up. the teams didn't qualify. When you were saying didn't qualify, I thought you were saying the players didn't qualify. No, 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 teams, no, no, the, the teams, teams the didn't te- qualify yes, to compete in the not. World Cup. Okay. Oh, yes, it was it was Mohamed Elneny and, and Egypt. Elneny's a, a regular starter for Egypt, but uh, they did not qualify yeah. either. So. so what what is required to qualify in the World Cup? Uh, so there is a, a massive qualification process. It's parceled off by continents, and each continent does things its own way. Hmm. Uh, so Eng- so Europe will divide all the teams. I mean, there's 50-some teams in Europe. So they divide them up into these into groups of like six or seven teams. They all play each other home and away. The teams that wins the group automatically gets in, and then all the second-place teams will play a- have a playoff uh, to determine the last couple of spots. So Scotland and Ukraine actually played each other uh, in the- one of the playoffs. Ukraine beat Scotland and then lost to Wales, and Wales made it in, and they're actually in our group as well, along with, uh, the U.S., England, and Iran. Hmm. South America only has 10 teams, and they actually just play a giant league. So basically, there's the 10 teams. You play 18 games, everyone home and away. And that's uh... and then you have others that have like these stair steps. So you have groups, and then you advance to a later group, and a later group, and then there's a final group. And it's it's a complicated mess, but every continent has its own, makes its own decisions. Okay. Because... <laughs> I'm trying to think of how that would work if the rosters aren't even posted yet. Who is playing in this team that hasn't qualified yet? <laughs> so so basically you're allow every every one of these international windows you pick the team when you go into the window. So for example, there was one of these at the end of September. I think we missed I don't know if we skipped a week in that one or if we just it, we didn't record that week or we just um, it might have been right before we started or something. Uh, yeah. I feel like we were already in, yeah, we were already a, we were already a couple episodes in i thought um yeah that's right we did a whole thing about like 
Arsenal's history, and we just kind of took a week off from talking about games. Um, so basically, every time right, you go into okay. one of those windows, the clubs will pick their players, and that's partly how you can guess who might be on them is who's getting called in regularly uh, to, to the national team. And so that's why we—I mean, it was a bit of a surprise. None of Arsenal's Brazilian players were called up uh, at, in the last window. At the same time, though, huh. Gabriel Jesus was pretty confident for Martinelli that looked like a bad sign that he wasn't called in, meaning the coach didn't want to get a look at him. Turns out, no, I guess he likes what he sees, and he and, and he's called him in. So, uh, you know. Hmm. Okay, so the national team plays outside of World Cup competition. That's that's news to me. I only ever thought of the national teams in a World Cup context. Right, they actually play a lot of games, and you have all sorts of uh, competitions. So the continental competitions, so you'll see uh, in the summer of 2024 will be uh, the, the Euros, so the European Championship. Uh, we talked about the, the last European Championship was in 21, it was last summer. Uh, the, the Copa America, which is South America's, will be the same summer. The, uh, the U.S. will play in North America's championship called the Gold Cup on, in summer of 23. You'll also have, they're called friendlies, which are just um, just one-off games against, you know, whoever you can, whoever you can schedule. Uh, which is are opportunities for the for ma- managers to try out different players, try out formations, practice certain things, um, fun stuff like that. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, I think that about does it for this week. Can you tell us what's coming up next week? Yep. Uh, just two more games into the World Cup break. I, we are getting away from the from the Thursday Sunday schedule. Uh, so Wednesday we will play Brighton and Hove Albion or just Brighton for short, uh, a Premier League side who are going to play not in the Premier League, but in the League Cup, or what is also called the Carabao Cup. Um, this is a hmm. second-tier competition, probably the probably the least significant competition Arsenal is playing in. And uh, <laughs> it, it, for years, the League Cup has been known mostly by its sponsor. So for the last several years, it's been sponsored by Carabao, which is some Southeast Asian energy drink. Uh, in previous incarnations of the tournament, okay. it has been the... Coca Cola Cup, uh, the uh, the Carling Cup, uh, the Capital One Cup. So it, 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 this one you'll hear the Carabao Cup. It's a, largely we'll call it the League Cup. Uh, we come in at the okay. third round of the tournament because we're in Europe and we're further along, uh, and we'll play that game. And that'll be on ESPN Plus. ESPN has the rights to uh, the English Cup game, so the Carabao Cup now, and then uh, starting in January, the FA Cup will be on ESPN plus okay uh, get one or two of those games of all the ones that are drawn might be on actually on over the air ESPN or ESPN two but you'll we won't know about that until we actually find out the matchups uh, we will see if we win by the way on Thursday at the end of the last game which is the last scheduled game in the in the competition Man- Manchester United and Aston Villa they will hold the draw for the next round. They'll drop a bunch of ping pong balls in a bowl. Everyone gets a number, and they'll just pick them out to see who you play next. And uh, those are always bizarrely interesting to watch. Uh, but you can probably just check back in on you know Thursday evening and see. Oh, we drew this game. Uh, assuming, of course, we beat Brighton, which is no guarantee. They're actually playing really well, and I expect a slight a Europa League caliber roster uh, compared to what we're seeing in the Premier League games. Right. 
Okay, so that's Wednesday. And then Saturday, our last Premier League game, we will be at Wolverhampton Wanderers, or Wolves as they're called. <laughs> and that game will be on USA Network. It'll be our last game uh, before the World Cup break. The next game Arsenal will play will be on Boxing Day, uh, which is the, the day after Christmas, December 26th, and traditionally is a big yep. day on the, the Premier League or the English football calendar. All right. And so this will be our first match uh, versus Brighton. That's on ESPN plus they have uh, live as well as replays there. Uh, typically. Yes. If you're an ESPN plus subscriber, you should be able to watch replays. I don't usually go for replays okay. on ESPN plus, so I don't know right, how easy they are to, I don't know <laughs> how easy me. they are to find, uh, but um, yes, it'll be certainly All live. Right. You'll be able to pull it up on, on ESPN plus. All right. Well, that sounds good. Thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. That is D-O-V as in Victor, F-R-A-N-K-E-L. Please do say hi. I'd love to hear from our subscribers. I've uh, seen you guys on a map. You're all over the world, and I want to hear from you. Uh, let us know how we're doing, uh, what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy. Always uh, welcome the feedback. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. But if you have anything to say to him, I'll surely pass it along. <laughs> have a good I, week. I, I await our European fans to make fun of my pronunciations of words. <laughs> and uh, you can do that, too. <laughs> Remember, we're all gooners here, so come on, you Reds. Of course. <laughs>